Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome. I'm really pleased to have a special guest join me today in studio for a conversation uh, regarding breath work. I have Vicki Starr here. Vicki, how are you doing? I'm really great, Todd. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you, this, uh, you can join Vicki here at Native Yoga Center on Wednesday, October 27th at 6 p.m., for a reset breathwork workshop. And you can register for that event at nativeyogacenter.com. And you can also check out her website at victorialeestar.com. And that's spelled V I C T O R I A L E E S T A R R.com. And I'll put the link in the show notes down below. I'm excited to have Vicky here. Vicky, you are a six-time Ironman finisher, mm-hmm. a Boston Marathon finisher, mm-hmm. a SEAL Fit 20X graduate, mm-hmm. uh, also a USA Olympic weightlifting competitor. Mm-hmm. And you've in in your Ironman, you've um, you've competed in the Hawaii Ironman World Championship. That's pretty serious business. Like, I, I don't know if any of the listeners uh, know how challenging endurance events are, let alone to take on triathlons, let alone to qualify for the Hawaii Ironman, which is like the fittest of the fit athletes of the planet train extensively to actually get to that point and then actually finish it. It's a whole nother story. Um, how... How did you get started in pursuing mm. uh, this type of athleticism? Mm, such a great question, Todd. Thanks for asking. Um, growing up, I was not involved in any sports. I didn't get into my athletic career until I was 30. And um, I started out with like the sprint distance triathlons, the shorter distance, and then graduating up to the longer distance over time. Um, But it was a constant challenge of what can my body do? What can I push my body through? But I think more so it was looking for outside recognition from parents, outside recognition from um, people, friends, and like boosting my confidence. Um, But yet at the same time, like I look back and I'm like, I'm super proud of myself for all the things that I did. But I think in the time frame that I was doing those, it was never enough. That's a common thing when people like finish an endurance event right when it's over, start thinking what next? Mm-hmm. Like it's never, it's not like maybe there's like five minutes of like uh, euphoria. Oh, I did this. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And you feel so great. And then right away it's like what next? And uh, so that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Uh, also, you're a personal trainer mm-hmm. and a run coach. Uh, you are a CrossFit coach. You've completed 200-hour yoga teacher training, and I know you're involved in completing a 300-hour one currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a nutrition therapy practitioner. And then the topic of our conversation today, it will center around breath work, and you're also a reset breath work. Uh, you're certified in reset breath work. Yes, can you give us a good idea what reset breath work is? Mm, absolutely. Um, one of the strongest healing modalities that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, it's a three-part conscious connective breathing pattern where it taps into um, your trauma and past um, emotions that are stored within the body and the mind and in the brain. It helps to reset your nervous system. It helps to reset those trauma patterns that you're stuck into and it helps to elevate your sense of well-being so um, it really goes deep into your 
your brain and to recalibrate all that so that you can vibrate and that you can experience life at a higher, higher level. Where did you first experience it? Uh, like a, a reset breath ex- mm-hmm. workshop? I was in San Diego living at the time and um, I found this beautiful studio um, a yoga studio and I was going there to the yoga classes, yin yoga and whatnot. And um, Sunday evenings they had this breath work workshop and I'm like, okay, what is this? And wanting to push my boundaries outside of my bubble, like getting out of my comfort zone. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try this. I know nobody here. I'm going to go to this. And I remember walking up the stairs and the walls were painted my super favorite turquoise blue color. So that was inviting, but I could feel the resistance, feel the resistance as I'm walking up the stairs. I go into the yoga studio and there's 40 people lying on the ground on their mats and two facilitators up front, a man and a wife. And I'm like, holy crap, what did I just get myself into? But I'm always good at the unknown. Like I have no expectations. So I go into it like two feet in. And so I did. And I just, I laid down and I breathed my ass off. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I came out of there, Todd, with like every cell in my body just vibrating and just this huge sense, sense of euphoric relief And I remember driving home because this was in San Diego. I lived in Coronado and you drive over the big bridge over the bay and the moon was at its fullest as I'm driving over the bridge. And it gives me the goosebumps to talk about it now too. It was so enlightening and so empowering that I'm like, I need to come back every Sunday to experience this because Mm. this is such a natural high. Mm. And like I could feel shifts in my brain as to, okay, I want to experience the now. I want to experience the awareness of being present in this moment more often in my life. Nice. Now, had you been exposed and or already practicing yoga at this point? Yeah. Just, yep. So just tapped into um, more of the vinyasa flow, um, the ujjayi breath. um, Mm -hmm. And that was probably the extent of my breathwork experience. And gotcha. Because finding a teacher that knows pranayama and or yoga style breathing practices is is difficult. Mm -hmm. It's not readily available. And um, so that's pretty cool. So this is something that they offered every single week at this studio. Where where in San Diego was it exactly? So it was in Bankers Hill, like by... um, um, by the park, the Balboa Park. Yes, thank nice. you. The Balboa Park. Cool. Yeah, that's right. It's you, a beautiful you spot. Yes. Yeah, I love seeing. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and there's so many great yoga options out there, like everything you could ever ever want. And I'm curious when you mentioned what did I get myself into? Did you have apprehension because you thought is this going to be some kind of woo woo thing? Is it? Did you have apprehension because? there was 40 people and it felt overwhelming because there's a lot of people. Did you have intuition that you were going to tap into trauma that you hadn't processed yet? And maybe that was going to happen. What were you apprehensive about? I think it was the unknown of what am I getting myself into? There's 40 people lying on their yoga mats. Some of them already set up. Um, It wasn't like, I'm okay with the woo woo. Like I'm Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. open-minded, but it was just like, holy crap, what's happening here? I don't know. Yeah. So it was yeah, just yeah, the fear yeah, of the unknown. Yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I had a chance to practice pranayama with my teacher Tim in San Diego mm-hmm. and Encinitas. There was a pretty core crew that would come in early in the morning around about 5 a.m. And uh, when I started going to do my Mysore Ashtanga practice, I'd see everyone sitting in a circle. And I was very curious, like, what is going on? At that point, I'd never seen a pranayama circle or or heard people, you know, or or watched uh, that happen before. And so I was very... Uh, I was curious, but I was also really nervous, kind of like what mm-hmm. you're mentioning. Like, yeah, you, know, you think like, why would someone be nervous to go into a breathing class? But it can it can be a little nerve wracking. And uh, I asked if I could go, and it was like this weird feeling of like, should I be invited first, or do <laughs> I is am I being rude by asking to go? Do I need to wait for the teacher to say, okay, now you're ready? And uh-huh. uh, of course, Tim was super sweet, and it was like, yeah, you can come if if you if you if you dare. Kind of like, like, <laughs> it's you, a challenge, but I'm embracing yeah. you. <laughs> and I had a similar like first time experience. Go, I thought it was so challenging and unbelievably mm. like um, 
it was so powerful and and also difficult. But that's why I'm curious. I'm so excited to actually practice with you Mm -hmm. next Wednesday because I haven't had a chance to do this style of practice yet. So um, what can I expect? Like I'm, I'm, I like the nitty gritty details and maybe you don't want to tell me, maybe you just want to let it be a surprise, but like, is it fast breathing through the mouth? Is it long breathing in and out like a Wim Hof method? I don't know if any of the listeners are familiar with Wim Hof. If not, you can go on the iTunes app store and he has a free app that you can get, which has some really great breathing exercises on there. Can you give us an idea of like what the, the bones or the skeleton of the practice are like? Absolutely. So it's, going to be done laying on your back on a mat and comfortable surface um covered up preferably because it's that's kind of like your safe container that's your safety spot if you have a blanket and i like to have people bring um, eye covers i'll be providing eye covers if they would like um but what it is is it's open mouth into the belly, into the chest, and out through the mouth. So it's a three-part act of breathing, and each person breathes so differently. But what it's doing is, um, Todd, it's carrying us because I'm containing this space for you. I'm holding this sacred space for you to be safe and to um, know that there's no right or wrong. It's just when... Um, maybe some, so I'm, I'm carrying you into the state of, um, parasympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight, because our brain stores emotions, good and bad emotions. We have that monkey mind that likes to follow the negative emotions. And so our brain doesn't know between the past emotion and the present emotion. And so because of that, if you're being chased by a lion, it doesn't know was that five years ago or is that right now? So I'm going to hold this space and bring in some music and some um, guide you into this breathing, breathing pattern and elevate your sympathetic nervous system so that your brain has this, um, the neurons, your pathway to thought. Um, and it's like, it's like a super highway, right? And it constantly goes that same pattern, that same pattern, that same pattern. And we're going to say that same pattern is negative. So the way to break that is to elevate that experience and then reaffirm that that experience isn't real, utilizing positive affirmations. So I'll bring you to a peak state with music. You'll repeat affirmations. Um, you'll feel all the feels and that's where the beauty and the magic happens is when you literally lean your body into that uncomfortable, into those emotions. And literally it's like breaking out the other side of this vast door of this beautiful landscape. And now you're into your parasympathetic nervous system. So your rest and digest. And that's where the change in that neural pathway happens is because, again, I'm holding that safe, sacred space for you. I've affirmed with you, you are safe, you are worthy, you are loved, you're grounded. Um, and that creates the change within the brain, within that neural pathway. And so I just want to share with you, um, if I can, Todd, yeah. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is my favorite quote that he says, um, like he's a neuroscience science guru guy. Um, he says his quote is, um, thoughts are language of the brain and feelings are language of the body. So what that means is that our emotions are the thoughts of the brain. And as humans, we get stuck in those emotions. Most generally, it's those negative emotions, right? But the feelings... The good and bad feelings, that's language of the body, but that also gets stuck in the body also. And as beings, we store a lot in our hips and stuff too. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just creating that change that um, different emotions and different paths and creating um, the positive affirmation with it. Yeah, nice. Awesome. That sounds cool. I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty magical. And you know, sometimes we can, like I said, we can get stuck in our monkey mind, and we can we can go, okay, this isn't me. But all it is is just breathing. Yeah. Just breathe. Yeah, yeah. We do that twenty five thousand times a day. Right. So just breathe a little harder. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, in your 
Well, at what point in your athletic endeavors did you begin to practice specific breathwork exercises like the method that you teach or say, um, were you aware of your breathing and how that would elevate your performance level on the racing side of things? Mm, full transparency here. Yeah. Totally sif- different times in my career, in my uh-huh, life. Uh-huh. The athletics happened. My dad died. Then the breath work happened. Mm, gotcha. So it's, I have not yeah. experienced yeah. the breath work, the practice during an endurance event. Although I can tell you that running a marathon, I could tap into my breathing by putting my hand on my belly and relaxing my state of being with that um, tactile touch. Mm. So mm. I know in my marathons I would do that, but as far as like, well, you know what? That, this is such a great question because it's making me reflect now too. Swimming, so um, two mile you, swim on Ironman. Yes. It's a breathing pattern. So I would count my strokes. Yep. So that is a breathing pattern that kept yep. me within that rhythm. Yeah. But as far as like my bike, I was so freaking comfortable on my bike. I could I could do that for days and days and yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> and not even feel like you're out of breath no. and not even feel like you had to only breathe through your nose or breathe combination of mouth and nose. Uh, yeah. on that on that note, I know uh, you're reading Breath by James Nestor. Mm-hmm. Have you finished it? I have. Nice. Uh, that's one of the most incredible books. I highly recommend everyone who's listening. Uh, please go ahead and purchase Breath by James Nestor, the Audible. I listened to it on Audible, which is really great because you get to hear him. He actually does the narration. Mm. Uh, as well as at the end, one, somebody leads through leads can lead you through some of the different breathing exercises that he highlights in the book. Um, but it's just such an interesting book. Like he goes into such incredible detail regarding like the structure of our nasal passages, the history of how our skulls have evolved over time from when we used to chew more like root-like vegetables that cause us to have to use our masseter and really chew mm-hmm. to when we started to um, you know, eat softer foods like um, porridge and oatmeals and or, you know, we're talking back like in European, Europe back in- It's still our 16, industrial. Uh, yeah, yeah, pre-industrial revolution mm-hmm. around that period and how- the bone structure has literally changed so that our nasal passages aren't as open, which is really interesting. And he kind of then will highlight some of the indigenous cultures that were really adamant about the fact that you should Mm -hmm. only breathe through your nose and never through your mouth to the point that then he'll even recommend that I hate to spoil all all of it for you guys, (laughs) but another really interesting thing is that at night to tape your mouth closed so that you will only breathe through your nose while you sleep Mm Um, I found that after, while I was reading the book, like I was so, my awareness of my breathing got so elevated. Like I just was aware of my breathing constantly because I was like, try to keep my mouth closed mm-hmm. and just breathe through my nose. Um, what, what was some of your takeaways from reading his book? I think, um, kind of like you, Todd, where it was fascinating to, I read it, um, to read how he did the study, the self I'm going to call it self-inflicted study on himself where they plugged his nose and he could only breathe out of his mouth for, I think it was 12, 14 days. And the change in his blood pressure, the change in his heart rate, I mean, how it all increased for the worst. And so what I found fascinating is walking around and just observing people breathing out of their mouth because like we have so much we have so much emotional junk going on in our world right now that people are so so breathing out of their chest mm. and breathing out of their mm. chest isn't where we're supposed to breathe, right? Mm. And that in turn makes them breathe out of their mouth because mm-hmm. it's a shortened breath. So when we can tap into belly breathing and mm-hmm. breathing out of our nose, that taps into our rest and digest. Mm. Um, nervous system so he found breathing out of his mouth how much anxiety he had and how it literally changed the shape of his mouth so it was i mean i found that the most profound yeah 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 that's awesome it's it's quite an interesting interesting read and uh 
if you're kind of if you're halfway interested in breath work, it's a definite go to. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what role did breath awareness play? Well, I kind of already asked you this. What role did the breath awareness play in the endurance events that you have competed in? Um, but I guess what I'm curious is, can you give an example of how controlling or working with your breathing has gotten you through a tough time? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily, you know, yeah. when you're working through pain and suffering from, say, running for how many miles straight? Didn't you tell me recently too, you did like some endurance run that was like, I did. like I, a, what was it called? An ultra? It's an ultra marathon. It was Trans Rockies run in Colorado. It was all above 8,000 feet. And mm. at the time I lived in Coronado at sea level. Mm. Um, so it was a six day stage event, um, 122 miles. Wow. Um, so that, looking back at that, well, just to a side cap like they see like endurance people and ultra marathon people the people that do these events are are covering up for something like yeah. they're always <laughs> they're always running and hiding from something um and i shouldn't say hiding but we're always like i want the next high i want the next fix and we're not going internal to get that right and so at that time when i signed up for that event um, which was just three years ago. Um, my dad had just passed away from COPD and emphysema. So huge breathing issues, yeah, yeah. smoked my entire life, his entire life. And like, I realized that after he passed away, like I saw for him, and this is my version, that there were regrets that he had, things that he maybe wished he had done. Mm. And I knew that I didn't want to get to the end of my life and go, I wish I would have. Yeah. I have these regrets. I don't yeah. want to get there. So I wanted to experience life here and now and be present and be aware. So that um, doing that ultra, like it tapped into that, but it also made me hide. Like I mm-hmm. had to be present and aware. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to breathe out mm-hmm. of my nose because now I'm not breathing at sea level. I'm breathing at 14,000 feet. So I had to slow down my nervous system. I had to slow down my breathing and I had to really tap into my diaphragm rather than my chest. Yeah. So that was pretty much my turning point as to, okay, endurance events, breathing. I want to be the best, highest version of myself that I possibly can be. And I know that I have this beauty and this light within me that I no longer need to hide and do accomplishments to get yeah. accolades from other yeah. people that I yeah. can give them to myself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think about the fact that um, I, I recently completed, I had mentioned to you uh, an endurance event that took me two years or two tries to, to accomplish. And um, I'm now contemplating, do I do it again? You know, I really want to do it again, but there's this also this part of me that, you know, is really asking some of the heavy questions of like, why? What am I doing mm-hmm. this for? Usually, I think my why for doing the crossing for cystic fibrosis was knowing that the fundraising that we we all did together was to help people that are suffering. So when I would go into a place of suffering, I'd mm-hmm. find some sort of solace in knowing that this is just a, a short span of, in my experience, but this will hopefully help somebody who is suffering with a terminal illness. Um, and I'm curious if you, what, what was the why that would drive you to perform like that? I know you mentioned the accolades and, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's like, wanting to see what you can what you can accomplish but do you have some insight into what what dro- what drives you or drove you um i'm going to talk about my ironman first because okay. um that was probably the most significant and this um, is the hawaii one yes yeah, so i did i've done 6 ironman and in one year i accomplished 3 ironman and the third one was the Hawaii Ironman because my why was to qualify for the world championship in Hawaii. So when I started, it wasn't my why. It was like, okay, what can I do? What can I push my body to do? And then the next one was, I know I'm really good at the cycling event. That takes the longest amount of time. How hard can I cycle and get off the bike and then run efficiently? 
Um, mm. And then it was my second one that um, was my fastest at a 1046, mm. 10 hours and 46 minutes. And yeah. I did not qualify for Hawaii and I was super bummed. And that yeah. would have been a time and yeah. prior years that I would have qualified. So I came back and did the next one hoping to qualify. Gotcha. Um, and so those were my whys, like I, I want, yeah, I want yeah, to get to yeah, as high yeah. as I possibly can. And yeah. so doing Boston marathon, it was the same way. Like, um, I had done five marathons prior and realizing that like, I'm stuck at this certain time. It was a three hours and 40 minutes, three hours and 40 minutes. I'm like, why can't I break this? Yeah. And knowing what I know now being a run coach, it was all, um, technique. Mm. And tapping into being um, proficient in your stride and um, relaxed in your breathing, that my why was I want to get to Boston. Yeah. I want to experience yeah. the yeah. pinnacle in my mind, in my world. That was the yeah. highest that I could achieve. And yeah. so that w- those were my whys doing those. That makes sense. I mean, it definitely is when you know you have an event that you're training for to go out there and exercise and train every single day mm-hmm. definitely kind of gives you that motivation. But obviously a lot of people, you know, say, I'm going to do this, start training and go, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what, what do you, what do you, what, what is that that makes you follow through? Just that, just then do you, obviously you get kind of high from the physical side of Mm. it i think i think a lot of people now because iron man is so accessible that they jump right into iron man never having done even a sprint distance which i think is super crazy um so like so that was the easy the progression like i i I progressed, I could achieve the shorter distance. And and, in reality, I think the shorter distances are a lot harder than Ironman because you go harder in a sprint and an Olympic distance Ironman or triathlon. That's interesting. Uh, When when I was practicing uh, yoga with Bikram in LA, Mm -hmm. the the two months we did a a a nine-week training, so a little over two months, and it was so extreme. People had said prior to, they said it was kind of like, you know, people that had been to boot camp mm-hmm. for military said that Bikram's training was harder than going through boot camp. Um, and it was, it was, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and then I think, well, there's got to be more to yoga than this. And so we decided to go to India and practice Ashtanga in Mysore. <laughs> Why not? Tommy Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really intense as well. Uh-huh. And I pushed myself harder within the yoga realm. And I know a lot of people look at yoga and think, you know, I'm just going to do gentle yoga. And that's like a very different sort of expression to, in a lot of ways, I feel like some of the other yoga styles are like extreme sport yoga mm-hmm. or almost like um, endurance yoga. Yeah. To, yes. Like, And there's this concept that's, common in the endurance world that is um you know push through the pain mm-hmm. you know like you're gonna run 120 miles so if you're having a hard time at mile 30 you got to keep going like you don't you know like you and you just somehow work through it mm-hmm. and i feel like that was a philosophy that was prevalent at the time when i was in india was that if you were struggling through pain uh, that there was this idea of like, just push through it. It's an opening, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's something to evolve beyond or through or above it'll pass. And it seemed very logical to me at the time. And I just bought it hook, line and sinker, <laughs> right? I was full, full bore into it. Um, but then it's evolved for me over time now where I'm a, a little less, treating it like an endurance sport and mm-hmm. more of wanting to be like a practice that I can heal from. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of evolution have you gone from being an endurance athlete to now practicing yoga and breath work? Have you had any similar revelations and or realizations? So I want to go back to what you said about pushing through the pain um, in India and relating it back to an Ironman or um, marathon or even because those are sole modality sports, right? Mm. There's no team. Yeah. There's no we. It's I. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
and and the same the same with the Olympic weightlifting. I mean, it's it's me yeah. doing the work. It's yeah. me pushing through the pain of it. But what you said really resonated with me is that on the other side of that pain is the beauty and the glory and the growth of what all the hard work that you just put in. Mm. And so I can relate it to the three-part breath work, the reset breath work. It's the same thing is that not necessarily pushing through the pain, but Mm. we're rewiring your brain from the trauma and the stuck emotions that don't serve us. And so we're leaning into that and we're pushing through that door to see the beauty and the growth on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're all intertwined. It's just a matter of how you look at it. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. That's cool that you can see even just the breath work as, like you said, walking up the stairs, feeling the intimidation. Can mm-hmm. I do this? Will I be able to do this? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Going through the process, maybe struggling a little, but then at the end feeling some mm-hmm. sense of release. Yep. That's really cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's it's in the breath work. It's having the facilitator, the guide, the leading you through and encouraging you. I mean, that's that safe container that I'm yeah. providing in yeah. the workshop is yeah is that you don't have to do it alone because I'm here to encourage you and I'm here to support you. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What has been your track record with injury? Cause I mean, doing these types of sports and stuff, it's like you can get beat up. Mm, you can't get ha- beat have, up. Have you had any injuries? Have you had any major setbacks? Oh, yeah. Have you been blessed with the perfect body that doesn't no. feel pain? <laughs> Does that even exist? I don't is there anybody think that out exists. there that has ever? If there is somebody out there, please come to Native Yoga <laughs> and introduce yourself. Yeah, and teach <laughs> we us would how, like to, to, how to pull that off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, um, I struggled for a very long time with stress fractures mm. in my shins, um, and I went through like steroids and cortisone shots and I did acupuncture and I did massage and I did all the things um and come to find out it was my run stride I was running inefficiently um so that set me back I actually missed um I'm gonna tell a little um something maybe I shouldn't share, but one of my Ironman marathons, I every two hours ingested ibuprofen just so I could make it through because of the pain and the stress fractures That's of my legs. That's not uncommon. It's just really just, stupid. It's not uncommon that people, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's not uncommon, but it's really bad for your liver yeah. and pushing yeah. your body to that yeah. extreme. It's yeah. it's not good. I yeah. would not recommend it. Yeah. Um, but then also when I was training for um, the Olympic weightlifting um the, through the snatch and clean and jerk. Um, cause I was really heavy into CrossFit also, but, um, moving away from CrossFit, I wanted to really get into the weights and see how strong I could make myself. Um, because I do have genetically one of those bodies that can go all day on the bike or I can build mass muscle. I mean, I just know that genetically through testing. So I wanted to see what my extreme was. Um, but knowing that, um, in the weightlifting world, like you're in the gym a lot over and over. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. So things can happen with your shoulders. You're putting that bar with a lot of weight over your head or you're squatting, catching the barbell in a low squat. Mine didn't happen that way. Mine happened at a competition. Um, my injury when I was weightlifting, um, I was at a competition in San Diego and, um, I slipped, I, I, I caught, I received the barbell in the clean and a low squat and my foot slipped out from underneath me and Whoa. the barbell is stuck on my shoulders Yeah. and I fell back and the barbell with the weight, the weight and the plates at 160 pounds landed on my foot. And so oh. I broke my foot. Ooh. So that wasn't enjoyable. So that was um, a lesson learned that mentally I had checked out of that competition. My brain was not there. Something was off. I should have withdrawn. And that's where it's just the learning curve of Mm. listening to your body, listening Mm. to your intuition. But I mean, that took me out for a while, but I came back and I, I made it to national level in Las Vegas and um, at that time held a national record. Wow. 
That made me think of what we witnessed with Simone Biles and the mm. Olympics recently. Did you have any thoughts about that when you were watching her go through that? She's a freaking powerhouse. Mentally to stand up as a female and as color to say, my mind is not right. Yeah. I need to take care of me first. It gives yeah. me the chills, Todd, I that know, she had know. that ability yeah. in front of the whole freaking world yeah. to put her boundaries up and take care of her first. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. is, I was empowered by her, <sighs> her stance. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. amazing. And to still observe. come back in toward the end and face all of that, all that pressure. I thought that was so impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes me wonder yeah. what kind of breathwork practice um, does she have in place yeah, too? You know, there's something to yeah. um, take her mind out of that fight or flight and bring it down into that calmness Yeah. to be able to come back out on the floor and compete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Um, what has been, oh, sorry. <laughs> How can, <laughs> I'm glad I wrote down some questions. <laughs> I was over in, um, Japan for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> How can, uh, breathing f facilitate the healing process? Mm. So much. It's just so great. So I think in James Nestor's book too, he brings up the fact that um, there were some scientists that um, healed emphysema patients um, to where they look like and didn't they they were confirmed they didn't have much more time to live, mm. and that this um, practitioner went in and taught them how to breathe, how to breathe through their diaphragm, and so that's one example. But like I said, I mean, just for us everyday people like we're bombarded social media news just driving down the road um with all this trauma and just this negative energy and vibration from from just stuff right and that gets stored within us and if we can just learn how to breathe with intention into our diaphragms and take it out of the chest and know that we are our own healers and that we can breathe through any anxiety. Like granted, there is time and place for, um, for healing medication, but if we can start with just tapping into our breath and recognizing, am I holding my breath? I was a chronic breath holder. I'm a former people pleaser. So I'm constantly, I was constantly holding my breath to make sure everybody else is happy before me. So it's learning that I am holding my breath, recognizing that I am not breathing fully and deeply and taking a pause and just mm. breathing with intention and calming our state of being down state of being down so that we can live with more sensory awareness and go, okay, that's not for me. Mm. I'm going to move someplace else. And so it's just having mm. awareness of how we're breathing to be able to navigate life and life is, is going to happen. I yeah. mean, shit does yeah. happen. You know, yeah. we're going to get riled yeah. up and going, okay, I need to step away. Or, you know, just checking in with yourself. So, I mean, it heals so much. Yeah. Your breath heals so much. It seems like now is a more important time than ever to start thinking about breathing and or taking or practicing breath workshops or classes because I definitely noticed that with the pandemic and with COVID that there was such fear around breathing, mm -hmm. like breathing around people, breathing mm -hmm. in an indoor space around other people. Am I now going to die by catching an illness because I breathe near somebody? So, um, you know, coming into the yoga studio and, you know, granted there was two or three people, but I couldn't help but be aware of you know, just someone would sneeze or cough in the room. And it was like this, my body would Fear. just kind of go, like, whoa, mm -hmm. like, uh-oh, like more concern for the other people in the room. Like, how are they doing? Are they okay with this? How are they processing yeah. this? Um, we don't even have to talk about masks, but obviously that probably has a, 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 
has to affect breathing to some degree or another, ease or not ease. Yes, um, absolutely. So, uh, I want to tap into that real quick, Todd, right, because yeah. when we're in a fear-based breathing pattern, which is breathing from our chest, breathing out of our mouth, that we're actually increasing the inflammation in our body. This comes into my nutritional therapy background and that we're actually increasing our immune system or decreasing our immune system. So we're creating an elevated response within us based on how we're breathing. And so we're no longer at our healthiest. So if we can breathe fully and deeply and get outside and create and get the fresh air that we actually increase our immune system and decrease that, that sympathetic fight or flight state. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. Thinking a lot of people are <clears throat> probably feeling the the need for some deep breathing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. in a safe environment. Yeah, like you said, outside uh-huh. at the beach or in the mountains or wherever. Yeah, out in nature. Yep, out yeah, in nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's cool. I'm you know in yoga pranayama there. What there is this concept within the Ashtanga world that you need to become proficient at first and second series, which is quite an endeavor, mm-hmm. um, to be able to train the nervous system or to get the nervous system to be strong enough to handle the increase of current that can happen in pranayama. So. Uh, my teacher Tim would make jokes that they had, you know, full psychological wards in India that were dedicated just to pranayama victims, you mm-hmm. know. But he was joking, obviously. <laughs> that, uh-huh. but there was this this sort of um, uh, like need to uh, be careful that we don't blow the circuitry of the body by doing breathing exercises that are beyond what we're ready for. Mm-hmm. And every time I practice pranayama, I've only, I mean, I've had terror come up because I've been holding my breath for so long that you start shaking and, but then you just open your mouth and you breathe or Mm -hmm. you breathe through your nose and you just like get some air in and pretty quickly or like feeling like I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've never really had a traumatic experience from pranayama other than just, you know, the challenge of it sometimes, but um have you heard of or come across anybody that's ever suffered ill effects from practicing either yoga pranayama or the reset breath work? Or I know there's what's popular these days. We can look up holotropic breathing, which mentions like almost like it's a psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you come across in, in this department? So th- with the three-part breath work, we're not doing any breath holds. Yeah. And um, it is in a controlled state mm-hmm. to where um, I am increasing that fight or flight within you. So being that it's in a controlled, straight, uh, controlled state and then it gets turned into a um, positive state, like that's a controlled atmosphere that I'm creating this container and know that to change the neural pathways in our brain, those super highways in our brain, that you have to increase that elevated state, whether it's the elevated state of the emotion. And then you get to tap into the change in that state by by affirming the positive side of it, the positive Mm. reaction to Mm. it or the positive Mm. experience. Mm. So it's that the three part breath work is actually holding that safe container. Um, in, um, the holotropic, um, that's the one to one ratio for one, one to three hours. And that that's frightening to me, (laughs) but I also know like that was in the seventies and they, that was with the LSD research. I mean that like, right. In like, conjunction with people using yes. hallucinogens and doing this one-to-one ratio of breathing for one to three hours. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they actually were combining. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, that until <laughs> yeah, they yeah. until they outlawed LSD. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that yeah. changed that too. Yeah. So um, just know that the three-part breath work in the yeah. workshop is yeah. super safe. It's yeah. super supported. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, uh, on that note, I know that we're, 
the those of you that are listening probably are far and wide and therefore to talk about all this and then say well, you have to be here in Juneau Beach to pull it off and I had mentioned to you that um, you know, could we do it on the live stream so that people could join in from other places? And then you had mentioned like maybe for at least this first one, let's not do that so mm -hmm. I can get a feeling for what's going on in person. But obviously people that live elsewhere can probably seek out mm -hmm. breath coaches and or breath teachers. Yes. So what would you recommend if someone was curious about this to go on Google? Because today I nope. Googled reset breath work and it mm -hmm. didn't pop out like, really quickly to me that there was a specific organization is mm. there or is there a website there, that you recommend so i can do i can hold and facilitate a group um, breath work workshop over zoom mm. um, you and i had talked about it doing in conjunction oh i see um, i think we could do it separately, separately so gotcha. if there's people yeah. i mean i just did one for someone in san diego today um I was in Costa Rica for a year and I facilitated breathwork over Zoom out of Costa Rica cool. here into the state. So definitely that's an option to hold a group Zoom session okay. for breathwork. Awesome. Um, yes. So I'll, I'll, that's cool. Uh, stay posted and we'll pick a date for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I don't want to exclude anybody. And that's <laughs> why I wanted to mention that if there is that option. No. And feel yeah. free to reach out to me too um, on the website's going live Friday. All right. And uh, they can reach out to me and we can do one to one to and if there's other questions they have cool. that they can reach out to me also awesome yeah um you had made mention that prior to the workshop that there would be a almost like a medical check-in sheet mm -hmm. so to speak to ask if what uh what does someone come with like diabetes or high blood pressure or pregnancy or are there any contraindications, though, for, you know, different health conditions? Yeah, there are a few contraindications if you are experiencing, like, if you are experiencing and don't have approval from your doctor, like if you're, you know, high blood pressure, um, if you are pregnant, there are alternate ways, like we could do this in and out through the nose. It's an option. Um, and it still gets the effect. It's just not as deep as... Um, as, as other people would go. So like if you said, um, if you have glaucoma, um, if you have a history of um, schizophrenia, um, heart attack and high blood pressure, it's um, just mm -hmm. let me know prior to breath work and then um, we can alter how you breathe. Cool. Yeah. You made mention that you, you know, had, were, were really gung-ho about endurance events and then that you had a, a life event that caused you to kind of switch gears a bit. Can you give me a little bit of insight into what happened? Um, yeah, it was what I explained before with my dad um, yeah. passing away. And that was, that was the shift in my life that it was like, I want to make sure I have this quote. I want to make sure I get to the grave, sliding sideways, going, holy F, what a ride. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to looking at the end of my life going, God, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. I wish yeah. I would have done that. So there were times that I've recognized one of these times I was running um, in the Pacific Northwest and on a trail and um, all by myself in the middle of nowhere in this trail system. And I'm as quiet as quiet can be. I'm running and it's fall and holy shit, I come across a mama bear and two baby bears. Mm. They cross the path in front of me. And I was in forward motion. So I don't stop and turn around and go the other way because that would have taken too much. So I kept going and I just got really, really super loud and really, really super as big as I possibly could. And thankfully, mama bear and the baby bears went downhill away from me. But it was in those moments that I realized that I just lived fully right there. Like yeah, that was yeah. full on living. Yeah. And then <laughs> like there's been other moments in my life. I was on another run and this yellow bush literally stopped me in the middle of my tracks. And like the energy from this bush. And I just stood there and I'm like, what is going on? And so knowing and feeling these things that you can feel in nature you I mean, there, there's people that you meet that you have a connection with and that you feel so held and supported and that your frequency is super high. Like, 
I want to experience this more often. Mm. I want like, okay, it'd be great to have it every single day, every moment of every day, but that's not like yeah. real life. Yeah. Um, but to be so aware and so present of those moments when they do happen, even in a yoga practice, like, okay, I just fell out of tree pose. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to tap into my breath. I'm going to become so aware of my quad firing, my foot pushing into my quad. I'm standing tall. My chest is lifted. And you go through those checkpoints mm. that you're like, wow, I just fully lived. Mm. That was full on in the moment. Nothing else mattered. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a few of those times in my life that it was like, I really, really want to experience that more often. Nice. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. What, what kind of goals do you have? Like, I mean, I won't, I won't take you down some serious, like goal building process project <laughs> right now and say what's your one year, five year and 10 year. But, um, what, where do you, what are you striving toward currently? Like what is, what is something that you're interested in achieving? Like what, obviously you're, you know, goal driven. Mm. It's, I, I personally, if I have something a year down the road that I'm working toward, like it just keeps me on track. Do you mm -hmm. have anything like that? Or have you just put the, push the pause button recently and just chilling out? Um, kind of a little bit of both, Todd, like somebody had <laughs> sent this little bird, put this paddling experience <laughs> from Bimini <laughs> to Lake Worth <laughs> into my ear like that, that festers around up in the brain. Uh -huh. Um, and, and in reality too, doing that, knowing what I know about breath work, how would that shift that experience mm. too? Like mm. I'm super curious. Mm. Um, so that's like a goal also like to really empower more people to practice this three part breath work and to hold space for more people so that they can thrive and, and that they can experience life to its fullest Nice. and get rid of the junk and the shit that's stored yeah. within us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, awesome. that's my goals. Cause I, I, really feel strongly about the power and the beauty that it can fill us. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think, um, I'm, well, I'm definitely excited for Wednesday. Yes. I really appreciate you taking time to join us and have a conversation and Thanks, do you, yeah, that's really fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. Do you have uh, a closing quote and or thought beyond what you already shared that you'd like to help us close with? Mm, thanks mm -hmm. for um, giving me the one up on this and just throwing <laughs> me out there. <laughs> just, just know that you can heal with the power of your breath and the body is a magnificent, amazing structure that we we really have a handle and grasp on making sure that um we live healthy i mean we're in charge of our bodies and we can make those decisions um so just listen listen to what's inside of you thank you vicky yeah thanks todd thank you yeah Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review and join us next time. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just not going to talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes actually after the conversations, I'll, 
I'll stop the record button and then <clears throat> I'll still converse with the person. Like, you know, if I'm doing it via the phone, I'll Bluetooth into the, to the thing. And, mm. and I, I need to get to the point where I remind people, uh, ahead of time, like, okay, at the end of the podcast discussion, I'm going to stop the record button and then I'll say goodbye to you. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes people will just like hang up when we're done, which is totally cool. Or other times they'll be like, I wasn't sure if you were going to still want to talk to me after or not. <laughs> and then we'll start talking about stuff that like, it's usually really interesting what comes up because mm -hmm. like we know we're not being recorded and therefore it's like, <laughs> yes. we should have brought that up. That yes. was pretty honest. Oh, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, so my goal for, we're in 2021, my goal for yeah. 2021. So my new year's day breathwork workshop that I was held space for. So somebody was holding space for me, um, was to hold a women's retreat in Costa Rica. November 11th through the 18th. And I had... This was when, sorry, help remind me the date, which year? This year. Okay, November gotcha. November 11th. November, oh, like coming mm -hmm. up, like mm -hmm. this November, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you are not doing it, you are or... I am not You're not it. doing it, yeah, mm -mm, yeah. No, but um, it got canceled. Um, but knowing that I had seven beautiful women trusting me in this space in Costa Rica that have never been there... And being able to take them through the beauty of um, breath work, the beauty of yoga practices on the ocean, the beauty of going in and sitting at a waterfall and meditating um, was, and it's on hold, was yeah, my goal yeah. for 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it will happen. It's yeah. just wasn't meant to be this year. Do you feel like right now we had, we had taken a poll because we had planned to do a yoga retreat in Thailand at Samahita and Koh Samui for 2020. And then obviously mm -hmm. I was in such denial. It was like what March is when everything shut down. So I want to say like around about November, December, I was like, Oh, we're still going. Like three months from now, we're, we're going like there's no way mm -hmm. that this is going to stop people from moving around the world and doing what they do. I just was like completely oblivious to how serious and or complicated things were going to get. So um, then we postponed it for 2021. And mm -hmm. then it was like, oh, heck no, that's not happening. No one wants to fly to the other side of the world right now. And. Then, let alone would they be let in and would, let alone would they be let in how many days quarantine would you have to do upon arrival that type of thing and then um i rescheduled it so then we, were, we rescheduled for 2022 next year and i started pulling some of the folks in the studio i'm like okay honestly you guys at this point one year from now like would you sign up to fly to the other side of the world a year from now they're like i don't think so people are still scared i don't think so so mm -hmm. I don't know how many years it'll take, mm -hmm. but I have full faith. I'm completely optimistic that everything's going to go back to like absolute normal, uh, even better than normal. Because like when we look at the pictures of people from what it was at the 1918 flu, mm -hmm. like what was there was like a, a major outbreak. And, you know, we see pictures of people in New York City and their old school 1918 gear with the. Mm -hmm you know, they had cloths over their face and, but never did I ever think about that in, throughout my life. Like never, that I never thought happen. about it, never thought mm -hmm. about it, never thought about that type of thing. I'm sure at least 20 years from now, a hundred years from now. People are going to go, what? Like, yeah, it, hopefully, <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen, but hopefully yeah. it'll just, people have forgotten that there can be these major like global upheavals that will put a major interruption into everything that's going on. But what, what, what do you think? It, it, it has, I mean, it has to, I, I think that there's been so much beauty and growth that's happened since March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people really maybe connecting more with themselves, maybe not, but connecting like, with what's important to them. Yeah. Um, and then, but, and hopefully like my, my whole takeaway from all of this is, I mean, I hope that they just realize that there's so many things that don't matter and that's out of their control. So let's just live my life for my intention, for what's, yeah. what my purpose yeah. is, Yeah. you know? And, and I mean, the hard thing is, is, you got to stay off 
off the social media and and yeah. keep the news off and all yeah. that and stuff and yeah. like i i'm i'm like so oblivious because living in costa rica i never had any of that on like yeah. i had no i, I had no yeah. idea yeah. you know and then coming back here it's like okay you know we're still navigating yeah. this and it's okay yeah. but you know you have you have people that are extreme and then you have people that yeah. aren't and then yeah. people's eyes are being open to what they're being told too yeah yeah you know. When did you move back from Costa Rica? It was August 24th. August 24th. And we know right, right now we're September. Oh, June, July, August, September. Oh, so only like two months ago. Mm-hmm. So then, but clear, surely it had to feel like there was some pandemic thing going on while you're in Costa Rica, even though you weren't watching the news. There, Yeah, I mean, we had to wear masks going into the big stores and... Um, there's their driving restrictions, which made zero sense to me. But I'm um, living. We I live more out in the country than yeah, in the yeah. in the main yeah, yeah. cities. So gotcha. um, yeah, it was easier to it be disconnected. W- it could be easy to be obli- not oblivious. Sounds like a <laughs> negative term, but but it was easier oblivion to be disconnected. Is, yeah, it could be a positive place <laughs> too. Yeah. For sure. Take me to oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> On Wednesday yeah. the twenty seventh. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. That, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, just have to see. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're growing as a yeah, society for sure. I agree. I agree. You know? Yeah. Cool, Vicki. Yeah. That's great, Todd. Thanks. Yeah.